Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the back catalogues of some of the most important and rockinest bands of all time, starting with Australian pub rock legends Cold Chisel. I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and with me, as always, is my co-host and cousin, Sam Tonkin. G'day, g'day. Hey, g'day, mate. G'day, bloody mate. And how you going? Oh, fucking bloody all right. Bloody too, too right. right. Too, <laughs> too right. Fair income bloody too oath. Too right, Cobb, too right. <laughs> this week, we're talking about the solo career of Jimmy Barnes. So we've we've made our way through the studio output of the original era of Cold Chisel, mm-hmm. ending uh, with last week's episode where we talked about their their last studio album, Twentieth Century, their breakup album, as they were imploding, uh, released in nineteen eighty four. Well, Jimmy Barnes took no time and jumped straight in and released his first solo album, nineteen eighty four, straight away. Straight away. Uh, he it was almost like he didn't want to lose momentum. Or he, he didn't want to lose confidence in himself or something. I'm not sure. But I've actually just come across a quote even oh, yeah? of Jimmy himself. One of the first re- uh, reasons my album was so rough was that I was jumping in the deep end. I didn't have a clue but thought it was the best way to go. Right. He did not care what was happening. He just wanted to do it. Just get it done. That's pretty Jimmy Barnes if you ask me. So I think because obviously there's five members of the band and they, <clears throat> they all took different amounts of time to move on to other projects. Mm-hmm. Jimmy took no time at all. Zero. Uh, drummer Steve Prestwich joined the Little River Band, who were one of the, probably one of the biggest selling Australian bands of all time. Are they really? I don't know anything by them bar two songs. Well, they because they broke in America, that's uh, that's why they've so they sold so big. Off. Well, I mean, they, they were big here as well, like oh. in the 70s or whatever. And in a little bit into the 80s, but I think they were sort of changing quite a bit by then. Um, they were fronted by John Farnham when that's right. Steve Presswich joined. A song that we actually mentioned earlier. Yeah, the uh, Playing to Win. So that was co-written by Steve Presswich. Was I it think really? On one of our Fuck first Steve. episodes, we Liverpool. talked about um, Playing to Win. I think we even played the track. So in 1985... Did. So he didn't take too long. He moved on. Obviously, there was a drumming position vacant there. Do you have a Do you have a Do you have the clip? I just think it's that's an absolute cracker of a song. Oh yeah, I can <clears throat> play a little bit of "Playing to Win." The John Farnham was that. So that was John Farnham was a solo artist, and then he joined. Little he was Little solo band before and, then... and after. Yeah, I think oh. he pretty much was maybe one of the <clears throat> only big bands he was ever in. He's pretty much always been a solo man. Sol- but it starts with this sweet keytar. Love a keytar. That's the only... That's a bloody ripper. So Fonzie played for them for a couple of albums, and this is the only one he still plays live, apparently solo. But it was written by the whole band. Was it really? The writing credit, Jay Farnham, 
G. Goble, D. Hirschfelder, S. Housden, S. Proffer, W. Nelson, and our man, S. Presswich. Super Steve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Riders. So he joined the band and just wrote one of their, or the, their only hit off the album. What's another big, big Little River band? Big Little River band. Another one of their big tracks. Yeah, like what else would I know apart from this? Oh, they're all pretty. This is very different. Of their, their normal style is very soft yeah, rock. Like more it's like folky type of. Um, reminiscing, I think, is their big song. I was dancing in the dark. And reminiscing. Are they named after the Little River as in On the Way to Geelong? 27 million listens on Spotify this song has. So this is in the this is pre Farnsey and Press Switch joining. Oh, I'm already struggling. It's um yeah, so that was all but apparently this was the sound that broke him in America. Very different. Oh, they are named after the, the little river on On the way to Geelong, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, they um, they I, were on their way there for a gig and they saw the sign and that's why they named them. They were in it. A, I don't reckon I'll... Oh, lead single, Help Is On Its Way. Yeah, you know... Hang on, help is on its way. Yeah, so it's all that sort of pop, folky, smooth, soft It sounds like rock. the start of Come On Aileen. So apparently this is... So they... In a previous incarnation of the band, they tried to break in Britain and couldn't couldn't get in there and then they were like, the next time around, they go, we, when we went left last time, we, we went right to America, and that was and the that smart call because right. that's... Shit. They were gagging for the Little River sound over there. <laughs> the big Little River. Uh, which is it's so far different from Barnsley, who we're going to talk about today. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it in the next few weeks. Mossy, it took him till 89 to release his debut album. Yep. And I think a year or two before that, Don Walker... Um, released his so he was, Catfish, which was a, basically a solo project, or he he recruited a band around him. But yeah, it was same as Jimmy Barnes, but yep. did not cover himself as Don right. Walker. Don so Q Walker. We uh, today are going to talk about he's. This is one of your favorites all time, Jimmy I Barnes. Would, you love yeah, him, right? I fucking love this bloke. Do you, do you prefer his solo output to Cold Chisels? Or, I equally. Yep. Love. I don't. I think they're two separate. Like the Harry Potter books versus the movies, they're just two separate entities that I love both equally. Right. Oh, thanks for putting it into terms that I would understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like trying to catch the little uh, Swizz Watchel gold ball in that game where they fly around. It's called a golden snitch in the game. It's Quidditch. How dare you? How dare you? Golden snitch. That actually sounds less ridiculous than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other balls are quaffle, so how does that make you feel? That's fun. I love to quaffle wine every quaffle. now and then. Is that <laughs> a thing? I'm quaffling a beer right now. Yes, I'm quaffling a coffee. <laughs> quaffle I was going to make a sort of sound and now... <laughs> I regret you doing that. You you had you thought about not I doing did. it and you should have gone I with that instinct. <laughs> Look, we're here now. So Barnsley, he went straight into the studio... I think kind of home studio, and it, in his, I've talked about in recent episodes mm. that uh, I listened to his audio book, and in one chapter, about halfway through the book, start of part two, he uh, talks about trying to write yeah. music by himself <laughs> yeah. and having sort of doubts. He's like, I, I can't do this without Don Walker sort of idea. I thought I'd play a bit of it. It's um, it's pretty great. He's he onomatopoeically talks about the guitar sound he's trying to get out of his guitar. Arrow, nineteen eighty four. 
Kerrang! 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 Fuck! This guitar sounds out of tune again. I only just tuned it. Kerrang! 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 It looks right when I try and play it through the guitar tuner, but shit! It's out again when I try and play a song. <laughs> what song? This is a joke. It's not a song. K-Sam was a song. This is three chords played by an amateur. What am I going to do? Kerrang! 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 It's not getting any better. It must be the cold fucking thing. I don't care about writing songs. Fuck it. I won't make a record. It was stupid to think I could do this on my own. I got no talent. I'm fucked. Kerrang! 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 I want to throw the guitar against the wall. Calm down. Put the guitar down for a second yeah, and breathe. Yeah, breathe down, Barnsley, breathe. breathe down. Yeah, I'm glad. Well, Sam, maybe more than most, is glad that he didn't give up there. Because mm-hmm. he, he wrote, I mean, he... I really like his songwriting. He yeah, didn't get to do a lot of it he on put Cold some Chisel. Bangers in. He just happened to be in a band with the greatest Australian songwriter of all time. A Tricky, poet. absolute fucking Australian poet. So, uh, so it's a it's a weird bar to have to set yourself against being yeah. in the band with a, a, an all time great like that. But he wrote so many great Chisel songs, he did. and he he wrote the vast majority of of his uh, debut album Body so Swerve. Yeah, uh, which included because we're. We're just going to kind of run through all of his albums with some of the best ofs slash songs that I personally prefer off them. Yeah. Uh, rather than go into them all because it's going to take us 12 years to go through his discog. Sure. Um, but the biggest song off his debut, Body Swerve, which was released in 84, was No Second Prize, which was one of the ones that was left on the cutting room floor from 20th Century. Yeah, he couldn't get it up for that, which I guess was, <laughs> you know, Cold Chisel's loss was his game because Absolutely. it was his debut single and it was a big hit. And it was another song that was written about uh, Chisel Roadies, Alan Dallow and Billy Rowe, who died in the truck crash mm. that we talked about in the Circus Animals episode. Um, yeah, do you want to talk a bit about how he assembled the band? So he he really just whacked it out, got it out real quick. He was signed to Mushroom Records, which is a pretty iconic Australian label headed by Michael Gadinsky. Mm. Uh, who he talks about in the book, they became very good friends and, and Gadinsky would sort of do anything for him. He, he he backed him all the way. There was a story told, do you remember the story told in the book where he saw, Barnsley signed to a new manager uh, going solo mm. and it was he was a bank man who he became friends with. That's right, yeah. And, and he did, had never experienced. Uh, done any work in the music no, industry? No, he just kind of trusted him and was like, "Can you help a brother and, out?" And the guy, he was, a, I think, he was an Irishman, and he was like, "I, I don't have any business doing that." And Barnes is like, "No, I want you to." And he's like, "All right." And then went at the <laughs> signing meeting with Gadinsky for Mushroom, mm. um, he was about to sign, and Gadinsky said, "Everything in the contract's what you've asked for." And then uh, the Irishman manager went up and um, started writing in pen on the contract. And Ganinsky's like, what the hell? You know, you can't add a new clause in now. He's like, all right, fine, we'll walk. <laughs> and Ganinsky's like, whoa, 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 settle down, yeah. settle down. What do you got here? And it said, on this date every year, we'll pay Jimmy twenty five grand. <laughs> and he and he agreed to it. What Heck a, yeah. That's a that's a badass manager, especially right, when Mr. we're talking manager. about uh, last week how they were getting paid twenty five bucks a week bucks. not long before. So Quite a sweet up, eh? Um, But assembling the band, so he uh, mentioned, um, you know, later on in interviews that he wanted people that he felt safe with. Yep. And I suppose 
that could probably stem from the fact that he had cripplingly low self-esteem, which you learn more and more about during the book, which is a lot of cause of a lot of his problems. Um, and probably especially after the 20th century where, you know, he was trying to put forth songs that were just getting kind of slapped away because Stormwalkers were perceived to be better. Yeah, even my, though in my mind, not so much, but okay. Yeah, you didn't like a lot of his songs on no, the album, it was a rough as we album. talked about. But uh, Bar- you didn't mind some of Barnsley's ones, actually. But yeah, actually, that was some of your favourites. I think the two and, ones that I picked were Barnsley songs. Yeah, and he yeah. also had a bit of a hit with No Sense as well. Yeah, yep. Um, so he got uh, the drummer was Ray Arnett, who they actually had on Twentieth Century after they fired Steve Presswich from Liverpool. Yep. Uh, they got Bruce Howe on bass from Fraternity, which is the band that um, Jimmy was singing with prior to Cold Chisel. Um, and who else was there? Yeah, Fraternity. Was that – he did say in the book that Fraternity the, was with his the bass John, player – Yes, um, but also Bon Scott I think is who he replaced. Yeah, I think you're right. And then um, I remember him saying that um, the – fraternity bass player was kind of like the band leader i think and he really worked jimmy hard while he was singing for him and he yeah, said that he learned so yes. much while being in the band and that was another reason why he wanted them just from wanted him in the band bruce, bruce how yeah bruce. is that is there a more australian name bruce, bruce? hey bruce. bruce get over here bruce when you're playing bass in the band is that okay uh, bloody oath Mate. The funny thing about Barnsley is almost like the quintessential Aussie, but he's, a, he's still, still got, got a Scottish, Scottish accent. accent. <laughs> Even though he, yeah, he flew over here, he moved to Adelaide like when he was four. Or five. four. Held on to that accent. Amazing. Australia. Stra- I like how Australia. Scottish Australians like the uh, like um, Malcolm Young or at least Angus Young, I reckon mm. I've heard, and Barnsley's because of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that real? And I'm real. So this is a real nice way. Yeah. Australia. Australia. Yeah, I still feel like an Australian. <laughs> oh. oh. Uh, who else they got? They got Mal Eastick from Stars, Unfamiliar, and... Oh, yeah, Stars are a big band. They, um, I think one of the key members died, and, and they, so they never really broke through huge, but ah. I think at the time they were like one of the bigger bands in Australia. Any songs I'd know? I don't think so. I don't know if any of them have really held uh, stayed around, but yeah. apparently they were a very influential band. A lot of bands you do know would were fans of theirs, uh, okay. sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then uh, he went for a second guitarist as well to make the band more hard rock, uh, and got the ex Dingoes guitarist Chris Stockley, right? Uh, who he described as playing old style rock like Little Richard. Ah, uh, um, cool. He also, I think he said in the book that he was um, kind of, I, I think he he thought about getting a keyboardist, but then he, he balked at it because he didn't want it to sound too much too like, much chisel, like chisel, chisel. So he wanted to right. have some sort of separation in the sound, yep. which I think was happening anyway because yeah. it was, you know, they were all his songs. So they were all more of the sort of rough and ready rock and roll yeah. tunes. And that's one of the uh, most fun things about uh, what I've, I've experienced listening to Barnsley's solo, early solo albums, as well as uh, Don Walker's and Mossy's. The, mm. the three are so different. So in different. Sound. Yeah. Production values, everything sounds so different about them, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Seeing the, um, and I enjoy all, all three. The branching. But in, in different ways. Um, so this first album, it went, <laughs> it went straight to number one and it, um, charted there, I think, for quite a few weeks. Yeah. And there's he talks about in the book, it didn't quite hit the same level of success, whatever. I can't remember exactly how he measured it, but it didn't quite measure the same level of success that 
Chisel had experience with their first album or something like that. Really? Because I and don't was, think that's true at all. But, but yeah, he's well, such a hard marker on yeah, himself. Yeah, on himself. Because he was like, oh, well, it's fu-. like, you know, he'd have a number two single and Chisel had had number ones. And he's like, oh, well, fuck, fuck this. Like, Chisel's so much better than me already. Like, you know, he's like, real, yeah, hard marker on himself. He's like, ready to give up throwing the towel before it even, like, done anything. Yeah. Because that was number one. His. He basically had a string of number ones from when he went so I think seven albums in a row went to number one in Australia. And he yeah. So it's pretty amazing that he still sort of felt a bit like a fraud by the sounds of it. Yeah. What's it called? Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Um mm. so from Body Swerve, probably the biggest and best track from it is uh as we were saying earlier, No Second Prize. Do All right. Play I'll a play, clip from it. Play a little bit of that one second. Um yeah, I, I'll play another one that I really like as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah, this is no second prize. It's track four. This is one of my favourites ever. It's... Kerrang. Kerrang. <laughs> it's good. I mean, it, it sounds of the time, but... Oh, yeah. I, I think it holds up oh, as yeah. a tune. This is... It's, in, it's always in a current playing playlist that I'll have on Spotify. Like, I'll oh, make yeah. a new one every few months. And this all this or some uh, Jimmy slash coaches is always in it. Yeah. You know, people say this, this is always annoys me, but people go, he just stopped singing and he started screaming towards the end of Chisel. It's like, what's is, he doing now, you fucking idiots? <laughs> so many gooses out there, or geese, geese, as I call them. So many geese. Get so, out of it, you goose. That's the plural of moose. Um, mice? Meese. Meese. <laughs> Look at all the meese. We're in Canada, eh? You know I said I tried to run it. Okay. This emotional. It's in a row. I didn't realize it was it was written for the roadies. That's badass. Uh, but the one I really like is. I mean, I, I do enjoy that track as well. Uh, but Paradise, track six. I think it's real fun. And both both those songs. Yeah, it's good. So there's the two sort of sections. This is just that classic, classic vibe here, but the chorus is on, on another level. Takes it up a notch. Um, and then, um, so this album, he just put it together real quickly and released it. Here. Michael Gudinski, though, he goes, "I want to. I want Mushroom to have a hit in America. Yep. I want you to be." the big breakthrough over there let's put some money into it and let's um use our hookups over there here we go this is a bit i'm a week away and so then they um they put together a crack team of songwriters and producers and stuff uh all with the mind to break jimmy into America, like they weren't quite able to do uh, with Chisel, even though they they gave it a fair try and Mm. just pretty much backed it up the very next year. It was released in 1985 in May and um, 
They used a bunch of the tracks from Body Swerve. Yeah, re- reworked, reworked, rejigged, re. And and everything about the album was pretty much put together to break in America. Yeah. Um, even um just even little things like in in the song Working Class Man, it's something about across the western skies instead of across the southern skies. Like yep. just little tweaks to just try and Americanize it. Right. Well and also that song was written by an American guy. No, isn't Journey Canadian? Oh, okay. well, America is a, is a pretty big continent. It's actually two continents, Sam, so maybe check yourself before you wreck yourself. Fuck, wrecked. <laughs> well, uh, got wrecked. Jonathan Cain, let's see. Who is an American? I take that back. Um, so, he, yeah, he he oh, wrote no, Working Journey's Class Man. San Francisco. I and take all of this. So time. he's from Journey, um, who people would know as, what was their big song? Don't stop believing. Hold on to that so funny. And they, were, they never really broke huge in Australia until modern times. Or anything, yeah, well, like well afterwards. They covered it on Glee. Yeah, was that when they got big here? That's, they re-visited re, uh, some of their success. They didn't seem to really make it here, I don't think, in the 80s or whenever they were big in America. Mm. But, yeah, he, he helped Barnsie with a, a few of the tracks, as well as American Heartbeat, which... I've heard Jimmy say that he he's still not sure about that one. Yeah, that okay. was really going all into breaking the American. Yeah, that was going proper. That, that's also it's the track. I'll play a bit of it now, but it's the one that sounds like, um, it, it basically it sounds like uh, an American eighties teen film kind of song. Oh no! Uh, so he, oh yeah, and then you had um. I'd Die to Be With You Tonight was with uh, Chaz Sanford and well, got Ride the Night Away with one of the E Street bands. Okay, well, let's go through a few. So up up the top, at least, it was a different track order in America where oh. they had more, it was more split between the old and new songs. But yeah, for the Australian okay. release, obviously, Australia had just sent it to number one yep. with half of these songs on the album. So they put all of those re-released ones to the back end, side three and four. Yep. And the side one and two were all the new tracks that were written by Americans for him. Um, but, yeah, the Australian version starts with I'd Die to Be With You Tonight. Which is one of my favourites. By Chaz Sandford. Sandford. It's a builder as well. You know that, Sam? You hate builders. It's a big builder. I think it's because it's Jimmy unbiased. Let me skip it's actually to the got build. a bit of diesel about it, don't you reckon, the yeah. guitar? The clicking in there? Mm. This is what the Americans wanted. This is how you break into America. More clicks. Clicks. Hmm. So this, this album. Just the other day. It finished the it, it hit number one and sold so many copies that it ended the year as the third biggest album in Australia that year Holy for shit. sales. The number one Australian album, but mm-hmm. number three overall for sales in Australia. Excellent. Track two is with uh, E Street band member. Uh, Stephen Van Zandt co-wrote with Steve Jordan. 
I reckon you can hear a bit of the E Street Band in it, sort of. Yep. Baby, now. <laughs> and then you got the third Ooh. track is the one, the American Heartbeat one, written by Jonathan Kane, which to me sounds... It's like in the same world as... Uh, it just sounds like a song that it's would like be opening, on one of those opening. Rat Pack movies oh, or something. Oh, yeah. Yes. Especially in the chorus. I reckon that's adding to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me skip into it. Oh, is someone it? pause fist is in the air a, and, is, and a freeze frame. Is someone doing like a workout montage? Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. That's what it, I'm getting better now. I'm the popular one. It's really got that vibe to me. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's just, a, it's I was surprised to hear it because I hadn't heard this album until recent times and it's just, and it's, it's a very unbarthy sounding song. It? Then we get to the, the iconic, the most Barnsy. Which oh. to me, I, I really like this song, but to me, it sounds like a, it's like a not quite right K Sam. It, it's the, oh, just. We're talking about him getting rid of the keys, but this I song. know, and then he cracks his... It is. It's just like K-San Part 2. I was gobsmacked when I heard this was written by an American. Yeah, isn't it? And then you hear the lyrics like, and you're like, oh, it's an American song. Yeah, but it just sounds but so because bloody of, straight up. Yeah. We're just... It's like the proper like blue collar Aussie battler type of song. Yeah. Like, if you haven't heard this song before, go sit somewhere quiet, put on good headphones or get a fucking good set of speakers and pump this and let us know what you think because this is one of the most iconic Australian songs that happens to be written Whoa. by an American. It is fine. Yeah, it's believes like in God that... and Elvis. That's very American. Yeah. Because we are a mostly non-denominational country now, aren't we? And also, yeah, but I mean, back Elvis then, it's still like very America. Christian. But the heartland of Australia, I think Australia and America's got a lot of similarities. Mm. You know, the bigger cities on the coast might be a bit more that way, but Just they're still working, very religious. The working class battlers. Yeah, I the think con- country areas would still be re- pretty religious. Well, I don't know, and our last And more conservative. I think it's quite similar to America in a lot of ways. Although very different as well, probably. So pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> I, I clearly oh, feel comfortable talking about on. this sort of stuff on a lighthearted music podcast. Yeah, true. So you go to go to a pub, maybe less so these days, but. In maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, any pub on a Saturday night, chances are that song's being played. Uh, no, 21sts now. 21st still, yeah. Still. It's when like, I was 21, that would have been played. K-San was played. Yeah. Or uh, the, the horses. 
The horses, Do another you know, another song that wasn't should we, Australian. Should we refresh people for the horses? <laughs> Can we? Let's just get through a few more on this album. So the the only other one. That's the only good ones, isn't it? Um. Yeah. Well, that, no second prizes on it again, but that yeah. One, the last then we one. go through other ones that were already. Oh, I. Is it worth playing a little bit of thick skinned? It's got a bit of a different instrument kicking it off. Is it a lute? What is that instrument? What? Is it a banjo? Oh, maybe. Sound, to me, it sounds like a... Is some sort of a lutey sound to me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's, it's a probably lute. not a lute. <laughs> What's that, you know, one of those little-bodied four-string kind of instruments? Like a... What's... Like the one that R.E.M. use on Losing My Religion. What's that instrument? Ah, that's me in the corner. I don't know. Um, anyway, it'll come to me. But yeah, this, so this one was co-written with Ray Arnott. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, okay, Ray. Mandolin, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Loot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so close, I guess. I, I think I like the production of Paradise on this one better. So, so these are all songs that... We carried across from the last one. So this one's on again. Yeah, it's good. Just beefed up a little bit. Anyhow, so then did you want to go through any of the albums after this? Do you yeah. have a favourite of, of his solo albums in these early days, it's, the 80s ones? It is probably Working Class Man. Okay. Uh, just because I, I think it's like so quintessentially Jimmy Barnes, but yep. also... Just so bloody Australian. Right. Or Australian. I was, so, you know, how we're saying they put so much money into it to try to break, you know, America. He spent a lot of time over there. Oh, in the book he talks about, he get, he got a call during this period and uh, it was a guy saying, hey, uh, this is Eddie Van Halen. I was wondering if I could come That's over and right. meet. yeah. And he's like, yeah, okay. And, and he's like, oh, this is a prank or something. But anyway, Eddie Van Halen comes around. And he goes, hey, we 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 need a new singer. We're thinking about. Uh, do you want to audition for us? Oh, is this after David Lee Roth's left? Yeah, and he Jeez. and he goes, Eddie Van Halen said something. Like, we're we're probably going to be moving towards more ballads and stuff. And Barnsley was like, ah, oh, that doesn't really play to my strong suit. Yep. Which is funny because he sings ballads very nicely, really well. Uh, and then he so basically he goes, all right. And the meeting ended pretty quickly and they left. And he goes, oh, he's like, I should have probably at least gone and auditioned with him. It would have been fun to do. Just to say. Oh, he's like, nah, not for me. I don't want to join Van Halen. <laughs> she, I'm from Cold Chisel, mate. I don't want to join your little pissant band. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys even heard of us? No? Oh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So it was, for the working class man, seven times platinum in Australia. Oof. Number one for a long time. It got up to 109 in America. Well, So it just didn't quite... Getting there. It didn't quite... Yeah. Happen. It was also, I believe it was 
the album was set up to come out with a uh, Ron Howard film. Yeah. That ended up flopping. So who knows if that film was a big hit. It had a big actor in it, starring in it as well, I think. I forget who it was, but... um, It was from Gung Ho. Gung Ho. Who was in Gung Ho? It was... It was someone like Sean Penn. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I knew it was a big dog. A big dog. Yeah. Um, Um, But yeah, it, it was a flop. So Working Class Man was in that, was oh, in like a key part of that film. That's sad. So, because it didn't quite hit, neither did the... Oh, Jimmy. So, or in part, I guess. Um, but also Barnsley, he talks about, it. he toured there and he hit similar things. If things weren't going right, he he Just had a short it. temper. Yep. I reckon maybe 40% of the book is him saying, I wanted to hit him that there and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to hit him right in the face there and then. He says it so many it's times. A lot. It is a lot. It took ev- all ev- every inch of my <laughs> strength to not hit him there and then. <laughs> um, um, so the, the sing- I'm just seeing if, if singles did anything over there. Working Class Man made it to 74 that's on the, the US top chart 100. and 22 on the US rock chart. Oh, that's all right. Um, but yeah, that it just just wasn't just wasn't, yeah. wasn't to be. Working Class Man made top five in Australia as a single. But he's, like, he's never been a big singles guy, isn't always nah. His big hits have been the albums. Yeah. Um, so Working Class Man, or For the Working Class Man, was released in 85. In 86, he joined up with In Excess for a um, cover of Good Times, which was originally written by the Easy Beats. So like a legendary Aussie band. Which with George Young and Harry Vander, who are, yeah, legendary music producers, music producers writers, and uh, yeah, George Young. Being, it being the older brother of Malcolm and Angus. Of ACDC fame, which is... And they know, also helped produce the early ACDC albums. Yeah. And pretty much were instrumental in creating the... That Aussie rock sound, yeah, from the early days with the like band, other bands Vander like the and Angels Young. and um, stuff like that, and yeah. that's why we talked about early on. Cold Chisel wanted to get in that same studio as Vander and Young, yep, that they were working in, but they accidentally booked the wrong studio. The shitty, studio feels two like, or three. What do they call it? The Feel dentist. like pulling a teeth in a dentist. Yeah. Do you have it? Do you have a cover of that available? The um, in excess Jimmy Barnes. Uh, yes, so I'm sure that that exists on the All you look for that. Oh, that's a lot of No, get the the studio. Um, So Barnes talks about it uh, later on. We spent a day and a half in the studio. Michael Hutchins and myself didn't sleep the whole time we were there. It was a booze and drug-fueled couple of days. Um, And the song itself appeared in the film The Lost Boys. So I think... Um, a video clip for the US maybe was produced featuring in excess Jimmy Barnes and scenes from the Lost Boys, uh, but I think the Australian version just had the band playing in the studio, which you know for Australian viewers that's all we want to see. Yeah, two of our you know biggest produce because in excess was quite. A, um, they had big success in the UK and a yeah. bit in America, I think. I but they, they sold out Wembley. Yeah, in, in England. Oh, fuck, this is a good song too. Jesus. You know what I just realised? Now that little clip of that live version I played, mm. I was there. Are you serious? I, I can't. I was like 15 or something, so I have very little memory of it. It was at the MCG, 
I was the first concert I ever went to. What the fuck? Isn't that wild? I saw them play that together. NXS? Yeah, NXS and Jimmy Barnes. Toured together and you saw it. No. Oh, no, I'd remember that. It was a a Mushroom Records show, the 25-year celebration. You could get tickets for $2. Fuck off. If you were a Telstra customer or something weird like that, I could... Yeah, so that's a that's a banging tune. Um, I can't believe you were there. Fucking yeah, hell. I'm just gonna have, I'll, have, I'll look it up. But uh, the 25 because I remember that Jimmy Barnes was there. Wow. And I remember who else? I remember um, who was that band who had a song Naughty Boy. Naughty Boy. No, it was pre my time. Uh, Again, that's seven years or whatever it is between us. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was young at this point, so you would have been a you would under, have been a toddler under ten. <laughs> All right, let me see who else played there. Because, yeah, the v- memories of it are very vague. Well, I cannot believe It was in 1998. When did Michael Hutchins pass away? Uh, was it 98? Yeah, it must have been. Oh, I thought it was 97. Or, mate, actually, I think, that's, I think that's right. Um, it was Jimmy Barnes sang uh, with In Excess without Michael Hutchins. Gotcha. So the oh, rest wow, of the band were there. emotional. So let's see. Who else played that day? Um, uh, That's why Painters and Dockers, who we're oh, yeah. related to. Paul Stewart's the singer. He's related to our nana somehow. Like, yeah, he's some sort of cousin of ours. Fucking Stewarts are everywhere. Bloody um, hell. Stars played there, who we were talking about before. Stars, who we don't know. Bad Loves. Do. I don't know if you remember them at all. I Weddings, know. parties, anything. Yep. Chris Wilson. Well, uh, who was he part of? Uh, Chris Wilson. He was part of something. All of these band names of, like, I know them. I just don't know. Uncanny X-Men. There you go. Deborah Conway. Uh-huh. Archie Roach. Nice. Mark Seymour. Oh, yeah. Chris Bailey from The Saints. All right. Paul Kelly. Bailey. Renee Geyer, The Sports. Mick she Malloy was... did some stand-up. Sunny Boys were there. Holy what? shit. Kylie Minogue. I do vaguely remember that. Paul Kelly. Kate Sobrano. Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Choir Boys. Ian Moss played Tucker's Daughter. What the fuck? How do you to... not remember this? I don't. The Whitlams are there. What the Peter f- Andre played Mysterious Girl. Can we Mushroom The Angels Records. played Dogs Are Talking. I vaguely do remember that. Please pull your shit together and reform this lineup. This is fucking excellent. Two bucks. Pretty good value. Oh, wow. It is, that is wild. I, yeah, I, it was wasted on me. I think I was 14. What a waste. Yep. Oh, well. Wasted. Um, um, back to Jimmy Barnes. That was, <laughs> I'd, I'd hardly remember. So that was... That's fucking I, insane. I saw that Dead show time. and... Um, around maybe even that same month, I saw Blink One Eight Two. Oh, get at the Palace in St Kilda, which has oh, since burnt we down. Yesterday. That was the Palais. It was near nearby. Oh, was it? I thought it was the same. I thought the Palace was in the city. I don't know. No, other, it was. It moved to the city after it burnt down in St Kilda. Anyway, now we're getting the, on a yeah, real on interesting a Melbourne <laughs> music history. If you're not from Melbourne, um, sorry, Melbourne, Australia, Melbourne. Where, which is where we're from. Um, so. 1980, 1986 was the mix with In Excess. Yep. Uh, 87 was Freight Train Heart. Oh, yeah. Uh, which had... has, yet again, one of my favorite tracks. Is it Trucking Wheels? Driving Wheels. Driving Wheels. Oh, I love this song so much. I, in the book, he talks about the story. He says the guy who wrote the song goes, all right, um, I need some inspiration for an, I'm going to try and write you a song tonight. We'll meet tomorrow. Yep. Any sort of inspiration? Give me a word or something. Oh. It's like he's doing an improv game. Give me a word. I need a <laughs> yeah. dentist? Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> Give me a colour. What's a colour? 
So, but they were, in, they were driving in a car and Barnsley looked out the window and a truck went past. He yep. said, I don't know, a lot about like driving wheels, like the truck <laughs> wheels, driving wheels. Uh-huh. And then he wrote this song and brought it back to me the next day. It's a, it's a cracker. It is a banger. It's sort of, it's in the same sort of world as No Second Prize yeah, as well, agreed. which he wrote. So it, this guy really Understood knew how him. to write in his voice. Yep. I think this is a, it's a cracking driving song as well. It's going to take a little while to get into. This album got to number 104 in the US. So this is actually his highest. Mm, in the US. Highest ever. Uh, 86 in Canada. He hadn't charted in Canada before. And number one in Australia and five yep. times platinum. Yep. So just on his a first, hot streak five, in Australia. His first five albums went to number one in Australia. Wild. And then, yeah, from there, it's still top twos. Two, two, two. And then a 22. But then, yeah, he's had multiple number ones since. So he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten number one albums in Australia. That's fucked. One in New Zealand. So by this stage, so now this is 87. So he's released albums in 84, 85, 87, all going to number one. Yep. After this, he releases an album uh, in 1990. So he has a little bit of a break there called Two Fires. Two Fires. It goes to number one, six times platinum. Ridiculous. <laughs> Just this, a uh, hot streak. This has a, I think the opener maybe. Is it? It's the yeah. first song I remember in my lifetime the fir- you know, the first song I remember coming out, it yep. was on a cassette oh, tape yeah, yeah, yeah. that my older sister had, Yep. who you know. I have met your older sister, who yep. is also my cousin, <laughs> She um, <laughs> once or twice. It was like called Hits of 90, I Excellent. think. Excellent. Oh, is it like so fresh? And I so loved fresh? it. I, I loved it at the time. And I saw him play it live for the first time the when he was supporting Bruce Springsteen about six years ago or something. Wow. It was sick. Real sick Keep- show. Anyway, that song's great, Driving Wheels. So, we're moving to Two Fires, released in August 1990, the time I was born, uh, and Lay Down Your Guns. Yes, which is the song I'm talking about. This is the one that I was on that um, cassette compilation. Banger. Uh, And we'll play the cover album that he does later, because I actually prefer it better. Oh, well, we'll, we'll do it back to to back. We'll come to that. It's a bit dirtier, I reckon. There's some real clumsy lyrics in it. He goes, the pushing, the shoving, when you know that we ought to be loving. Yep. <laughs> Listen <Pushin'>. out. <laughs> the shoving. A break in my heart. So he co-wrote this with Nick Nowles. Oh, this is when you know when we ought to be loving and sweeting. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if Don would let him get away with that one. I would love to see what Don and uh, the others thought of it. I wonder if they've ever. It would have been interesting because they would have like they just split up from being in this huge band. He went off solo and was really bigger than they ever were as a band. Um, so Nick Knoll, who he co-wrote, Nick Knowles he co-wrote this with, 
has also worked with Lana Del Rey, Adele, Kesha, Licky Lee, Jamie XX, Brandon Flowers, Madonna, CeeLo Green. So he's obviously just a gun for hire. Just loves it. Um, good, for, good for him. But it, an interesting thing about, so during this time, Barnsley's a huge solo star in Australia. Mm-hmm. The rest of the band are laying pretty low. I yeah. think during all this time, um, Don Walker's, he's bit, pretty much quit music and he's just backpacking around Russia and Eastern Europe. That's right. Um, Mossy's just having, having a bit of a break. Barnsley's selling big shows around Australia, playing all his solo hits, but also playing a few of the classic chisel songs like K-San every night. And at the same time, he's sort of dragging up. Cold Chisel were already big, but after they broke up, they sold more albums than when they were together. Did Do you know really? that? So no. they they really built built up a head of steam and became legends almost after, more so even even though they were big during their time. Yeah, they got even bigger after they broke up wow. in sales and 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 reputation and whatever. And in part, that was because Barnsley was huge. He was still playing the Chisel songs, oh. and so people young, the next generation's hearing him for the first time, yep. going, "Oh, this K Sand song is sick. Let's look it up." Yeah, which album is this from? Oh, a different band. Yeah, altogether? different band, and and like quite an early track of theirs as well. Yeah. So that I find that all very interesting. That the the legend of Cold Chisel continues to build. So, what was the Lay Down Your Guns version you wanted to hear? So later, actually more, more recently, in 2014, he released an album called 3030 Hindsight, which he re-released all of some of his, or some of his biggest songs, but with other Australian artists. Uh, and he redid Lay Down Your Guns with The Living End, who's like oh. an Australian rockabilly type of band. Um, and Was 30, I'm guessing 3030 Hindsight was like, was that a 30 year anniversary of his they first so. solo or something? Yeah, I suppose. Came in 2014, 2014, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. The maths. Five years. So that's 35 years, of course. Since So the one you wanted to hear was Lay Down Your Guns. That's the opening track here. Yep. But you reckon this is even better than the original? I like, yeah. Could be controversial, but I reckon it's better than the original. I reckon it's probably going to be, just because updated production and whatnot. Beefier sound. Just sounds thicker. Yeah. Beef here is good. Beef here is good. Well, because Living End's bass player plays an upright bass. Yeah, it's Scott Owen. Cool. And... I put a picture on that. Oh, yeah, this is sick. Yeah, this is great. Living End was a... Chris Cheney in the background is still in the background. Great vocals. voice. Great guitar, great voice. Yep. He's... That was one of my fave bands as a... Yep. 14 year old yep. love him and I still really like him I saw him in Belfast Re- what that was I just happened to be there for a couple of days and I was supporting Dropkick Murphys I'm like nice. what the hell that was oh, sick such a good Murphys. show yeah that's good so Lay much fun your guns I surrender um oh that's just a fucking that's cracker. so good so that I'm, is a cracker we should say that Barnsley is prolific as a solo artist he is a bit of a freak he just he's and he through all this time is like a full on coke yep. slash pill How slash How many times did he go to alcoholic. rehab during this whole A few yeah, a few times. A few it, times. it sounds like a, a few of the times his heart wasn't really in it and then yeah, he a few times his heart was about to shit itself. Yeah. Um, literally. <laughs> but through all that time he was releasing an album every one or two years. Yeah, it's pretty and impressive. All hits and touring nonstop. It's like he was afraid of Slowing stopping. down and stopping and well, doesn't that being having quiet time by yeah, himself or something? Yeah, having to think about it or doesn't that fucking explain everything that he doesn't? Like, yeah, oh, 
Um, what's the song tomorrow? Like, don't want to don't want to know about tomorrow. Yeah, it's a chisel song. Yeah, just bang it out. Don't want to just doesn't want to think about. Yep. Yeah, totally. He had a few. Do we do we want to touch on his? He had some soul albums. Yeah. So he pitched one to Michael Gudinski, and Michael right. Gudinski was basically like, "Mate, I'll back you all the way, but honestly, you're joking, aren't you?" Sort yep. of thing. And he goes, "No, I'm not. I really want to do a soul covers album." Yep. This is straight after Two Fires. That. Yep. Um, Lay down so your guns. Let me just, I'll, I'll give you some stats here. So you got Body Swerve, 1984, number one in Australia, two times platinum. For the Working Class Man, 85, number one, seven times platinum. Freight Train Heart, 87, number one, five times. Two Fires, 1990, number one, six times platinum. 1991, Soul Deep, number one, nine times platinum. Right. <laughs> so it's actually bigger than... Is that big? That's bigger I than all of them. I think that's his biggest selling album wow. ever. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder how he feels about that. Yeah. But I guess it was his it was his concept. Yeah. But it, um, it's all covers, he, right? It was all, yeah. And it was all music that he grew up listening to. So a lot of right. it is songs uh, or, you know, artists that he took inspiration from. And they're all, they're just all classic. If you were going to pick one for us to play, which would it be? Do you think? My favorite is Your Love Keeps Lifting Me Higher okay, and Higher. Okay. Let's play a bit of that. The film clip's such a funny right hand turn. The film clip's really funny though, because it's like set at like Luna Park or something. Like it's just him at, on a little mini stage singing to a crowd of like parents and children. But the way he sings, he still sings as if he's on cold chisel, so he's like bent over, like screaming his guts right. out. But it's this beautiful, like I know this lovely song. I know this well. Was this a hit? Yeah, I think so. Well, it's got a film clip, so it was. Yeah, right. I think it was released. It's very familiar. I mean, obviously, I know the, orig- well, the original recordings, but I know this Jimmy Barnes version. <laughs> and the album cover has got him, hair slicked back, sitting on a bar stool backwards. That's right, in the. Um, has he got the maroon suit on? Is it that yeah, one? Yeah, it looks sort of like. It looks maroonish. The carpet's definitely maroon. Excellent. Yeah, right. A bit different from his um, leather pants, leather jacket, totally. dirty fucking hair. But also talking, you know, talking about all screaming. This is this is back to that honey gravel. It's just beautiful. I oh, know he's got a gold jacket. When he should really be wearing a platinum jacket. Hey, a nine times platinum. All right, well, maybe we. I, I think we just because he had so many albums, we can't go through them all. Nah, I'll just do a I'll do a brief uh, brief through of what else we've got here. So after Soul Deep in '91, he released Heat uh, in '93 and Flesh and Wood also in '93. Is one of them a cover or one of them live? Uh, or did you just sure. release two albums that year? Mate, you're telling this bloody story. It's true. I f- fucked up. Sorry. Hang on. Uh, uh, yeah, features right. Single. So Heat is the sixth album. Flesh and Wood is the seventh album. So, yeah, apparently he oh, he duets with a lot of people on Flesh and Wood. He's Flesh. He, he actually, he, a lot of them are, are Pinocchio. It's one of the duets. Uh, also other famous wooden people from history like uh, Gabbo from The <laughs> Simpsons. Oh, yeah, I'm struggling Gabbo. to think of any other wooden people. But, you know, it's basically. You get the gist. You Pinocchio the gist. and Gabbo yep, are the main The team. main. Yeah. Uh, 95, you got Cyclone, which went to number two. 99 was Love and Fear. That was his worst selling in with uh, number 22. Only gold. Mm, only. Uh, 
Second Soul album released in 2000 went to number three. People can look up this list, I reckon, if they want to. All right, fine. We'll skip right to the last two, which is 3030 Hindsight, which we spoke about earlier because there's a few more good ones on there that I'd like to play. Good time. Oh, yeah, he redid Good Times with uh, Keith Urban, I think. Keith Urban. Keith. Australia's own. Australia's own Keith Urban. Golden guitar winner, probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Which is the big Australian country music award. Yeah. Uh, if you get a bit, have of you ever been to the the Golden Guitar? I've, I've had a photo at the front of the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I have not. So already got a bit of a different feel about it. Hmm. Yeah. Cover not as good as the original. Okay. Which was also a cover. Oh. Which was is that why you wanted to play it? You wanted to, you're just rubbing it in Keith Urban's face. <laughs> no, more because it was such a such a left swing. Um, the other one that I like is "Die to Be with You Tonight," which he sings with Diesel, who is actually his brother-in-law. Uh, him and his wife, uh, Johnny Jimmy Diesel. and his wife Jane, set up Johnny Diesel with uh, Jane's sister. Right. So yeah, yeah, Johnny Diesel. So he, I think he was his guitarist for a while. And he, Johnny Diesel, yeah. aka Mark Lazot, had a big hit record around 1990 as well. He had a song. What a voice! Yeah, so that was pretty good. Uh, like, but other, other do you people... remember there was a big hit Barnsley had with Farnsey featuring Diesel? Do you remember no. that? When something was, it's another cover, when something oh, was wrong yeah. with my baby. He, that was on a different album that I just looked through. But other other people that he sings on with this is Baby Animals. Uh, he sings Ride the Night Away with Steve Van Zandt. Uh, he's got a song with Mahalia, one of his daughters. Uh, he sings with Tina Arena and Joe Bonamassa. He sings with Jonathan Kane and Ian Moss on Working Class Man. Right. Sings with Journey on Going Down Alone. He sings with She Had. Oh, a song she called had. Love and Hate. Great New Zealand rock band. Yeah. Uh, John Stevens uh, from Noiseworks with uh, I'd Rather Be Blind. He sings a song with the Tin Lids, which is his children's family band. Jeez, you're in it. You're feeling like a, in a real listing mood today. I love a good list. If it was on a spreadsheet, I'd be even happier. Uh, he's <laughs> I got love a, a spreadsheet. You're a spreadsheet fan. Love, love a spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. Love it neatly. Oh, I'm a How good. good are formulas in uh, a spreadsheet. When I remember how to use them, love oh, them. the best. When I forget how to use them. Equal sum, open bracket. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> tell me bloody more. Close that bracket. <laughs> oh, heaven. And hit enter. Bang. Results. That's what I want. Instant. Um, but yeah, long story short, Cracker album, pretty good covers. Some of them not so much, but you know, isn't yeah. that the way? Oh, that's the way. Uh, went to number one in Australia, so it was pretty good. Uh, and then one more album that I would just like to play a quick track off yep. um, is an album that he did with The Wiggles. Oh, really? Called, uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Och I the Gnu, which is about a wildebeest, okay. I think. It gives a brief introduction. It is on Spotify if anyone wants to give this a listen for your children. Any, just the first track, happy with that? Yep. Okay, it's called I'm a I'm a new or GNU. GNU. A, this is apparently it's an old Scottish one. Oh no, oh. did he write it? Written for his grandchildren. Oh, 
it's okay. So he actually wrote this whole album with the Wiggles right. for his grandkids. Which which is this original Wiggles or modern uh, Wiggles? No, modern Wiggles. So I mean, could we say it's the real Wiggles? Mm, debatable. <laughs> but so we've got, got Anthony, right? Blue Wiggles still around. It's the one. Was did Jimmy end up being called like the? Leather wiggle, <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish wiggle, Scottish wiggle, tartan wiggle. But all of his, um, all of his kids sing on it, uh, as does his wife. Uh, and we've got instruments such as the jaw harp, glockenspiel, bagpipes. My favourite. I actually really do love the bagpipes. They make me cry every time. Bagpipes. Great. We've got a six-string banjo, uh, a didge, uh, or a yiriki, as they are also known. Um, some electric bagpipes, something that I did not know existed until this very second. Yeah, yeah. Along with a nylon guitar, a tin whistle, what and would, a kazoo. For people who, just before we sort of wrap up, because we're not doing scoring or anything Mm-mm. this week, Just, uh, but if you were to recommend someone who doesn't know any of the Jimmy Barnes back catalogue, what's the album that they should listen to? Do you I'd think? go to Working Class Man for sure. Right. It is, like I was saying before, quintessential Jimmy, quintessential Australia. Right. I think in America, which, are, you know, if you're looking at for it in a record store, yeah. it, it, it's called, I think it might have ended up even being self-titled Jimmy Barnes oh, in it? America. Oh. I think the working title might have been A Week Away from Paradise. Really? I, I think. It just doesn't even. And then in Australia, it was releases for The Working Class Man. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure in Australia, he... He said that because most of the album had already been released and already been bought by a lot of people, yep. he made sure that it was quite affordable in Australia. Oh, bloody ripper. Because he knew guy. his he knew his demographic was just going to be all the I should say, I found, uh, unfortunately, our man, uh, Adrian Zupp, did not review this any yeah. of his solo albums no that Zupps I could find. with Adrian Zupp. But I did find a website, rateyourmusic.com, and it has a bunch of user reviews for him. Some of them are longish. One of them I don't like from Muzzman. Muzzman has it calls him hypocritical for trying to break into America after he wrote "You Got Nothing I Want," which you missed the point of Muzzman. "You Got Nothing I Want" was about one American producer. It wasn't him saying the country of the United States of America has nothing he wants. Yep. You goose. You bloody goose. Um, Muzzman, you get six out of six gooses. Yep. You're a you're a whole flock of geese. You're a geese. You but this are is the one I, I liked. I I liked the most. This is from Macaholic, written in 2005. He says, uh, four and a half stars. Barnsey sings his fucking tits off on this album. <laughs> <laughs> Working class man remains his signature solo song. Get it if you love Aussie pub rock. That's short, a sweet Australian Macaholic singing his fucking tits off. <laughs> Barnsley sings his fucking tits off on this album. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> great uh, take it from Macaholic. He knows what he's... Just before we do wrap up, I've got a quick letter to Alan oh, here. Oh, um, From Tanner Nordstrom Young from Calgary in Canada. Uh, hoping, side note, hoping the do-go-on crew plan on stopping there at some stage. Where in, in Calgary. Calgary. Oh, I'd love to. I'm a big flamer myself. Go the flames. Go the flames. I want to get, uh, actually, it's on my bucket list to make it to the Stampede one year. Really? Yeah. Fuck yeah. But um, yeah, Tanner uh, Nordstrom Young. He says. N- N- TNY. TNY. As his friends call him. As they do. Tony. Tony, for short. Can't tell if Big Enough is serious or not. There's no way it can be anything but a parody, pure comedy. For those who don't know. 
What are, what is the stylings that he is talking about? That's a bit of the vocals we don't normally hear. The actual. I didn't part know there was like, other vocals in it. <laughs> this is the Barnsley track we like this playing. Barnsley coming through. If the you Rockies search for Screaming Canada. Cowboy, but the whole song's actually called Big Enough, Big Enough by Kieran J. Callanan. Great whistle track there. And this is Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Scream it, Jimmy. <laughs> it's beautiful. For the people who say he doesn't sing anymore, and he just screams. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> yeah. um, but Tanner finishes off his electronic mail. Uh, love the so- show so far. Only vaguely familiar with Cold Chisel after spending a year in Australia. Uh, but he plans on listening along <laughs> each week. <laughs> One day in Australia and you've already heard 89 <laughs> of our biggest hits. Um, but thanks for the email, Tana. We appreciate it. Glad you're enjoying uh, the chiz. Yes. Revisiting if, your love. If you want to get in on the letters to Alan section of the show, you can email us at listennowpod at gmail.com. And you can also tweet us if you want at listennowpod and Instagram Facebook us. at the same and Instagram. <laughs> Follow us on all of them. At listennowpod. And let's bloody have a dialogue. But if you want to be read out in the letters, email's the easiest way to do yep. it. Otherwise, there's too many things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess that brings us to the end of the show, Sam. Yes, it does. And as we always say here... Goodbye, Astrid. Goodbye. podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.